you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just keep reaching to Him just for a moment. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. I need God in my life more than anything else. We need the Lord. Amen. Our ushers are going to hand out commitment cards to you. Please don't worry about them at this moment. Don't fill them out. If you need a pen as they're coming by, notify them. They'll be glad to give you a pen to be able to fill it out when the time comes tonight. We want to do this together. We'll do it at the conclusion of the message the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight. And uh, we certainly don't want anyone to make a quick decision about your involvement in what God is going to do. We ask that you allow God to lead you. And if he hasn't spoken directly to your heart, I do ask that you would let the Lord ask God to speak to your heart tonight. And I believe that God will speak to your heart. We, we do have needs, and uh, it's very important to us. And I recognize tonight, and thank God for the guest we have with us, but I do recognize that we have the core of the core here tonight. And um, when you speak about commitment, a lot of people get sickness in their life. And uh, they find excuses not to be in the house of the Lord. That's, I'm not making light of those that are legitimately unable to be here tonight. But I do understand that commitment, commitment is a voice. Commitment has a, is a voice. It speaks of where we stand and how we feel about what we are doing. People don't give to things that they don't believe in. And when we believe in something, we are willing to give. Now, I'm not going to be receiving an offering tonight. Tonight, we will only be filling out these, filling out these commitment cards here in just a little bit. But right now, I just want you to set that aside, and I want you to engage in the Word of the Lord tonight. I do feel like God has spoken to me and given me a word for the church tonight. I, I do sense uh, maybe a little bit of um, lack of exuberance, a uh, little disconnection, whatever it may be. Um, 
I know that it, it's, it'd be a lot easier to do what we're doing tonight in February in the middle of the awakening when everybody's fasting and praying and really body, and I recognize that. But this isn't about emotion tonight, but it is about faith. It is about faith, and we've got to believe God, and we have to be willing to sacrifice. I know churches, I've worked with multiple, multiple churches. The Lord has opened doors of opportunity for me to be able to help other churches as they are entering into building programs and after building programs. I have gone in and helped many, many churches. I've helped churches that have required offerings. I'm not sure that that's a biblical thing. They try to find a way. I've worked with churches that preach and teach 10% tithing and 10% offerings and if a church gives 10% tithing and 10% offerings, I can tell you uh, the church would be fully funded. There'd be no problems. I've worked with churches that, had, that teach 10% uh, tithing, 5% offerings. Uh, the way I understand, the Bible says that your offerings, your sacrifices unto the Lord must be free will and it must come from the depth of your heart. And so I don't put any requirements. So I don't want anybody tonight to fill a requirement and uh, unfortunately, for those who felt that they didn't need to be here tonight because they were so concerned, I'd put them on the spot. I can promise you, nobody's going to be put on the spot tonight. I want you to do exactly what you feel that God wants you to do and how you feel to connect in what God is wanting to do in our future. Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read one verse and I'm going to preach for a little while tonight, and if you'll allow me, I'm, I, don't want to, I don't want to feel like I have to be in a hurry uh, to get to where we're needing to go tonight. Um, I, I, I want to preach what I feel the Lord has put on my heart, and I, I want to feel my liberty in the house tonight. Would somebody just help me feel the liberty that God is wanting me to preach in tonight? Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Now... Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I want you to see this verse clearly tonight. Unto him who is able to exceed your expectation, to go beyond anything that you can think in your mind or that you could verbalize with words, unto him who is able to do above and beyond anything that your mind can possibly imagine. And he does it according to the power, his power, his presence, his spirit that worketh in us. Say, that's me. He's able to do, exceed your expectation, and he will do it by his spirit, by his power that works through you, through you, through you. Look at your neighbor and tell you, tell him that's you and that's me, that's us. That's, that's us. The power works through us. 
works through us. By the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach for a little while from this subject. We believe in miracles. We believe in miracles. Would you look back at that neighbor now and tell him, I believe in miracles. If you believe it, I want you to say it like you mean it now. I believe. You can be seated. At the conclusion of the message tonight, you'll be asked to fill out your commitment card for the Beyond Vision Initiative. For those who have continued to support possessing our promise, the commitment that you make tonight will replace what you have been doing for possessing our promise. So I don't want anybody to become confused with that. And some some have asked, why, why do you, I, I get the... I get the growth initiative, I get all of these things, but why, why do we make financial commitments? Why can we not just give and receive special offerings? There's a multiplicity of reasons, but there's primarily a two-phased answer that I'm going to give to this tonight. Uh, and the first is, is because our mortgage lender requires it. And that's a little unfortunate, but uh, it, it's a requirement. It's not just our mortgage lender. Most all church lenders now are requiring it, and it's just part of what we have to do. Secondly, it helps our administrative team plan for the future because we know what we can count on. And if I was to go further with this tonight, it helps the leadership understand how much the church believes in what we're doing and where we're going. Uh, when, we, when we were voting to build this building, I recall reminding you on that night that we voted to move forward with buying this property uh, about seven years ago. And I remember saying to you, it's up to you, it doesn't matter, but the deal is this is not a short-term commitment. So while the commitment you're making tonight is a simple two-year commitment, in all reality for the church members, we know that we made a commitment when we decided to build this building. And the commitment is, is that we have responsibilities that we must understand lays upon our shoulders. As part of the vision initiative that we have brought to you over the last few weeks, we include, number one, debt reduction and your commitment to beyond ensures that we are able to stay on track with our mortgage obligation. And this is critical to our future. Staying on track financially opens the door for us to keep our focus on our real mission, our outreach, and our evangelism. The second component of our vision is strategic growth. Now, we're certain that God wants the church to grow. Somebody ought to say amen to that. And I want to be part of that growth. I don't want growth to come later. We're, we're planning and preparing for the harvest because we believe that revival is now. The third component is phase 1.5 construction, which we have talked to you about. And that is work on the north building to make it uh, usable and uh, functional for our youth and children's ministry and certain fellowship events. And uh, this is going to come once we meet our financial obligations. What is given beyond will be able to be used to go toward phase 1.5 construction with cash through your sacrificial giving. And it will be a process that will 
take time unless somebody feels it on their heart to do it quickly. And then, of course, God is going to bless you for that. I am certain that this is the will of God for our future. I don't come tonight with doubt or with question, are we doing the right thing? We really have reached a point where I am certain and I know that the Beyond Vision Initiative is the plan and the will of God for this church through the next two years of 2020 and 2021. The fourth component of our vision seems to be a little hazy, and it is not launching into the building program of phase two, but it is beginning the conceptual ideas, the process of consideration of the possibilities of phase two because I believe that the revival that God is going to give the church will move us very swiftly beyond the construction of phase 1.5. And this building and this parking lot is going to be filled in the name of the Lord. Pastor, how do you say it? Because I'm a man of faith and I stand before you tonight to tell you that I believe in miracles. Now, I know what you're thinking tonight. And that is, well, Pastor, it will take a miracle in order for that to happen. And you are right. But I believe that a miracle could happen tonight. I know we set a financial goal of $300,000. And I believe in miracles. And it will take a miracle for us to do that tonight. But I believe we can have commitments over the next two years that will accumulate to that $300,000 that we need to be able to see the vision fulfilled that God has laid upon us. This church believes in miracles. Thus the reason I didn't come to the pulpit tonight and title this message, I, as the preacher, as the pastor, believe in miracles. But I'm speaking for this congregation tonight because I know that we are a people that believes in miracles. If you believe in miracles, you ought to clap your hands and shout to the Lord tonight because we are not a church that Gentry touched it tonight, didn't know what I was preaching about, but he was all over it tonight. There's some folks that say miracles are a thing of the past, but I come tonight to tell you that miracles still happen. We believe in miracles, not of yesterday, but miracles today. This is the book of Acts Church. We share the same Pentecostal experience as the book of Acts Church. We embrace the same Acts 2.38 message as the book of Acts church. That was and this is a church that cannot get the echo of the parting words of the Lord Jesus out of our ears when he said in Mark chapter 16, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Judea and Samaria and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I still hear his voice echoing, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The book of Acts church was a church under a mandate to reach their world. They were bold but respectful. They were aggressive but they were discerning. They were unapologetically had an agenda to reach the world and their agenda included telling everybody that they meet about Jesus. In the first century, the church was a church that was on the move. It was an expanding church. It seemed to be a restless church. It was a growing church. It was a church that understood the power of the gospel and loved the name of Jesus. I come tonight to remind you we are a book of Acts church. 
If the book of Acts is to be a pattern for our church, then we cannot overlook the fact that it was the church that was filled with supernatural miracles that was bestowed upon them on a regular basis. Miraculous doors were opened to them that they never thought possible. Resources were provided for them that they never thought possible. Miracles happened in the church and it was a common thing and the church lacked nothing. The scripture said, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And that same day, there was added to them about 3,000 souls. I wonder what would happen to Christian Life Church. What would happen to our faith if we walked in on a Sunday night and had no idea that we were going to receive a miracle over the next week that would have this building so full that they had to stand outside. It was a book of Acts kind of thing. They couldn't even house them. They had to move it somewhere else. I have a dream of the day that we have to call Frankfurt schools and say, hey, can we rent Case Arena because we can't seat everybody and we can't build fast enough for the revival. In Mark chapter 16, they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I want you to know tonight that another translation said he confirmed his word by the miraculous signs that accompanied it. I wonder what would happen if every time we came to the house of the Lord, there were unusual miracles that God did. There were miracles being bestowed. When we laid hands on the sick, they did recover. I wish I had the freedom, but I don't tonight, and I won't over the next little while. Someday I'll tell you this story, and I'll tell you fully, but what you don't understand is between last Sunday and this Sunday, my wife and my father-in-law are both witnesses and silent witnesses. Don't twist their arms, but both of them are witnesses of a divine miracle that happened to Christian Life Church between last Sunday and this Sunday. I wish I had the freedom, but if you knew what it was, somebody would be making a lap about now because of the outpouring that God is going to give this church. We preached about it. We believed it. We prayed for it. The days of miracles are not behind us, but the days of miracles are now. I believe in miracles. It would be a theological mistake to disconnect the miraculous power of God that we see in the book of Acts from His divine purpose and His power being linked to the mission that God gave the early church. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is how you know somebody has truly been filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power. Oh, it's just that I'm going to talk in tongues. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. I wish I had time to preach everything that's on my heart tonight. But while some of us were going about our festive ways this week, Sister Paula Myers and Sister Debbie uh, McCree got together. They baked I don't know how many dozen loaves of bread. They went out into the city, started knocking on doors 
saying, we're just praying for you. We're just th- thinking about you. We're just believing. Let me tell you what this, this power does. It empowers you to go outside of your normal self and find an outlet to tell somebody about the goodness of God. Jesus gave the apostolic church of the first century a mission statement. We too have a mission statement. And it is simply in connection with the book of Acts church and the church that the Lord declared to go out and reach the world. Our mission statement is simple. I want to say it so many times that you get it. I want you to to memorize it. We want to put it on banners and posters and everywhere we can put it because I I want you to never forget the reason that we come together. We don't come together just to come and go out to dinner, but we come together for a purpose. This church has a purpose. It is to reach our world, to make disciples, to prepare and send out ministry into the global harvest field. I come tonight to tell you it's simple. It's not rocket science, but it's very bold and it's very apostolic. We ought to have people that we are reaching through the miraculous power of the Holy Ghost. Those who feel unlovable, we're going to show them love. Those that the world says are unreachable, we're going to reach them with the power in the name of Jesus. God sometimes works supernaturally in our lives simply because He is a good God. However, there's no denying that the Lord of heaven most often channels divine resources and open doors and works in miraculous ways. Primarily, He does it to advance His kingdom. We believe that God does it often just to make us feel good and just to fill our bank account, but He doesn't. It's usually connected to something He's wanting to do in His kingdom. The blessings of God in your life were not given to you for you to go around and brag about how blessed you are. But he gave what he gave to you in turn for you to be able to bless the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming his words with signs following. The miraculous just seemed to follow freely in, in, in the church everywhere they went. The first thing they did is they went. The second thing they did is they declared the gospel. The third thing that happened is signs didn't go before them, but signs followed them. Uh I'm right where we are now. Some of us start saying, God, if you'll give me a sign, I'll go. And the Lord's saying, if you'll go, I'll have a sign. I'll send a sign to follow you. The sign doesn't go before you. The sign follows. You've got to be willing to go. And when you go, the sign follows. If we'll go, Jesus will go with us. This church has touched the very heart of God, not because we're perfect, not because we're exceptional, not because we're more gifted than others, not because that we're not ashamed of the gospel, but I believe it is because we are willing to go forth in faith and believe in the miraculous. And we go forth saying, if we fail, we're going to fail trying. Brother Duggar said to me tonight, if I go down, I'm going to go down fighting. That's it. If I fail, somebody's going to say, Pastor's on another one of his dreams. Come on and dream with me. Because when we begin to dream and we begin to go forth, expect it, signs. These signs shall follow them that believe. We've been willing to sacrifice in the past. 
and prepare ourselves spiritually and financially for whatever God wants to do in our future. What started as a dream has become a reality. A few short years ago, we declared it's time to prepare. And now tonight we look around us and recognize that God gave us a miracle. We're a church that has been ready to move when the Lord says go. But I come tonight with a reminder to you to tell you that God is not finished. The spirit of lethargy is one of the worst spirits that could ever rest upon a church. The church of Laodicea became cold and indifferent and lost their first love. God is not finished with Christian Life Church. I wish we could adapt an attitude that every time God does something fantastic for us, we don't say, well, is it over? But we start saying, what's next? What's next? What's next? Because what God has for our future is greater than our past. The miracles God has done in your past is not the greatest miracles. The one ahead of you is greater. I believe God has a miracle for us, but we've got to be willing to move when he says move. We've got to be willing to go when he says go. God is not finished. He still has a future in mind for the church. And that future is more than just a completed campus. We believe that this church is the key to revival in this city and beyond. Thank all 11 of you that's agreeing with me with a hand clap tonight. This church has a responsibility to North Central Indiana and the world to reach the lost, to make disciples, and to send out ministers into the global harvest field. God has given us a location of the highest possible impact in our community. The busiest intersection in Clinton County with the biggest church sign in Clinton County. With the biggest pastor, I mean. He's given us influence. Before we ever started this building, we agreed that it would take a miracle in order for this building to be built. And a miracle came to pass. When we started to buy this property, we didn't know that it was going to be possible. We needed commitments equaling $350,000 and a cash offering of $50,000. If my memory serves me correctly, our commitments came in at over $470,000. And on that night, when the first fruits offering came through, the $50,000 we needed was exceeded with a miracle offering of $74,000. 
That was to buy this property, this location. That was seven or eight years ago. I still believe miracles are for the church. And I still believe miracles are for this church. And I believe our plan, our foundational plan for debt reduction, for phase 1.5 construction, for for strategic evangelism and church growth, and for phase 2 planning is just as important of a move for our future as it was in order for us to buy the location that we were later going to build on. Here we are at a crossroads. What are we going to do with the miracles God has for us in our future? Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Is there anybody in the house tonight that will join with me by asking and believing and working toward a miracle? Is there anybody in the house tonight that still believes the same miracle worker that's done it before can do it again? I'm believing that miracles are going to exceed that which we have seen in the past. I know we brag about seeing the dead raised and deaf ears open, but I wonder Where's the next miracle going to? What greater thing does God have? Because what he has in our future is beyond our expectation. Shall I believe in miracles? There's a few things I want to share with you about miracles tonight. First of all, sometimes miracles unfold progressively. It's the same miracle whether it happens instantaneously or whether it happens over the process of time. In the Old Testament, manna was a miracle from God. Every morning, the children of Israel woke up and turned their tent flaps back to fresh manna. It was an unfolding miracle. He didn't give them everything they needed for their future ahead of time. He did it daily. I hope that speaks to somebody. It's not the massive gift. It's not the massive commitment. It's not the massive offering. But it's you saying, I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to do what I can. It doesn't matter whether it's a young person, a young adult, whether it's a newlywed family, or whether it's a, whether it's a working family, or it's someone that, has, that is living on a fixed income. I come tonight to tell you, whatever the Lord tells you to do, do it, because it's a process. It is a miracle in process. It is a progressive miracle that is unfolding on, on, on a regular basis. As we move toward the Beyond Vision Initiative, I want you to understand that we are not looking for a new miracle. It's the same miracle that God started in this church that He is continuing in this church. We're simply taking the next step of the journey. We now have the building. We must go beyond. There's a biblical example of a two-part miracle in Mark the 8th chapter. The scripture said he came to Bethesda. And they brought a blind man to him. And he begged to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out to the edge of town where he spit in his eyes, put his hand on him, and asked him if he saw anything. 
The man looks up and he said, I see men like trees. And then he put his hands back on his eyes again. And he made him to look up again. And he restored his vision completely. Why did God not do it instantaneously? Why not, for, why not instantaneously? Why not in the moment? Do you remember the story of the blind man in Bethesda? He was brought to Jesus by his friends, hoping that he would touch him. Jesus took the man by the hand, let him out. For whatever reason, Jesus felt the need. He, he, he took him. Watch what he did now. He took him from Bethesda to the edge of town. Watch. Jesus could have done the miracle in Bethesda. Now, I know i got some young preachers here, and I'm about to give you your next message. Because I'm not going to preach this tonight. But he repositioned them for a miracle. The miracle could not happen in Bethesda because there was some reason. But the Lord repositioned him for a miracle. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost right now. I have a word for CLC tonight. You wonder, what is the changes that I'm sensing and feeling? I tell you what it is. It's God repositioning you for a miracle. I could preach to you about reposition for a miracle for a while, but i got to stay with my thought tonight. Jesus spat in his hands. And laid his hands upon the man. There was an immediate witness to God's power because the man who had never seen started seeing men, but he only saw men as trees. In other words, it was a partial miracle. And then the Lord laid his hand on him again and he completed the miracle. CLC, it was not the completion, it was not the finished campus. It was not everything is done and the church is complete when the Lord began to give us miracles. But he's given us one miracle and another miracle and another miracle and another miracle. Hey, let me preach to somebody tonight and tell you, maybe you've been praying for the lost loved one and they show up to church. Praise God for the miracle. It may not be over. He'll come again. She'll be back. It's a miracle in progress. God is positioning you for a miracle. That repositioning changes our view, changes our concept, our mindset. Everything changes. It changes, it changes the environment around us. There's no question that Jesus could have healed this man with one touch, but he chose to make it a two-part miracle. If he wanted to do it with one touch, he certainly could. Because the Bible's full of those miracles in an instant. In Matthew chapter 8, he touched, he laid his hand upon a, lepr a leprous man. I don't have time to preach all of these. But the law said he could not be touched. But Jesus did what the law said he could not do. He reached through the law, touched him, and healed him in an instant. But then yet another leprous man, when he just speaks a word to him, he could have happened right then, but he tells him, I want you to go and show somebody else because I want them to be a witness and you find out what they say about your healing. 
Some of the miracles that God is going to do. This pastor is standing in this pulpit. I feel so bold in the Holy Ghost tonight. But there's some words that I'm going to speak to some folks tonight and tell you. You need to go ahead and go show yourself to the priest. Because when you get there, that sin problem is going to be taken care of. That leprosy is going to be cleansed. Nobody around you is going to see it, but it's going to happen. Some of you have been dealing with addiction. And I'm telling you, go show yourself to the priest. Because he is going to send a miracle on your journey. Some of you are in a journey tonight. It's a miracle that's going to happen in your journey. I wish I had time to preach it. In Matthew chapter 8, he touched her hand and fever left her. The issue of blood dried up, not when he touched her. But when she touched him, See, sometimes our prayer is reach out, Lord. I want you to come by. Lord, I want you to touch me. But he's saying, I've got a miracle waiting on you, but I'm waiting on you to start touching me. Somebody needs to engage in your prayer life and start saying, I'm going to start touching him. Every day I'm going to where there's a miracle in touching him. If Jesus could have simply touched a man, in full effect of healing in his life, then it begs the question, why didn't he do it? Why does he do it all these different ways? I think it was done and recorded on the pages of Scripture specifically to remind us that some miracles take more than one touch, more than one visit, more than a moment, but yet it is the same miracle. Pastors at all in series of one and two? No, you know the man named Naaman. <laughs> he had to go dip seven times. I'm certain that God has touched our church. And I believe that God has positioned and repositioned our church. I believe he has raised our head on purpose. I believe that God has given this church influence. I believe that God has touched our eyes. For most of us, I believe that our vision is more clear than it has ever been. I wish I could just hear somebody talk back to me a little bit when I'm preaching to you tonight. If, 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 you don't, if, if, if this is not fitting you tonight, you need to get on board with what God is wanting to do. You need to start praying and say, God, I, the best message, Pastor, preach. I need, I need this in my life. I believe God has touched some folks' eyes, and they're beginning to capture the vision. They're beginning to get, you haven't always had the vision, but you're beginning to capture the vision. And when you get the vision, the people perish for lack of vision because when there's no vision, people backbite, fight, talk, find fault, become critical. But when there's vision, people begin to get their focus on what is ahead of them and where they're going to, toward and what they're reaching for. God has given us vision. God has given us growth. Lives have been changed. Promises are fulfilled. Prayers have been answered. But I'm quite certain that all of these things are just part of the miracle that God has for CLC. CLC is positioned and we're ready to go beyond for the second part of the miracle that God is wanting to give the church. We believe in miracles and we only have the foretaste of what is coming in our future. Oh, if you believe it tonight, why don't you shout to the Lord and clap your hands and give him praise.
I won't be a lot longer tonight, but a little while. We can have as much of the miracle as we want. In 2 Kings chapter 13, there's a story about a king named Joash. He made a trip to a dying prophet's house. He went to visit Elisha. The prophet told him to open the window and shoot an arrow. And then after he shot the arrow, he told him to take the arrows that remained in his quiver. And he told him to smite them on the ground. So he took the arrows and he smote the ground three times. And Elisha became angry because he limited the potential of his future by limiting the number of times that he smote the ground. Elisha questioned him and said, rebuked him and said, if you would have smitten the ground five or six times. In other words, if you would have doubled, if you would have, if you would have done, if you would have almost, if you would have doubled what you have done, you would have had the ultimate victory. But because you didn't give full effort, you're going to live in partial victory. Oh my goodness, what a horrible thing to live your life knowing that you were given an opportunity to have full victory. Elisha commanded the king, take the arrows and strike the ground. But it was his choice of how many times he would do it. The miracle for his future victory laid in the intensity in which he would fulfill the command of the man of God. The miracle would go according to how long or how much, how many times that he would smite the ground. Let me say to you tonight, keep a watchful eye on the one that would mock you because of your passion. Because when the prophet of the Lord said smite the ground, some of you are filled with passion and somebody would have had to tell you stop smiting the ground because you would have beat the ground until there was a hole there. Don't let anybody mock your passion. But because of petty, weak-minded lethargic attitude well I'm just going to smite it three times Elisha said to him if you had the courage to do twice what you did then you might have more you would have more in your future I'm preaching to somebody to tell you I dare you tonight to double the challenge that God has laid on your heart double what he said put God to the test and say God I'm smiting the ground twice as many times because I'm believing you for for a lifetime of victory. Oh, somebody give God a shout of praise. Don't quit too soon. Don't stop short of what God's wanting to do. I'm closing tonight. 
at the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus told his disciples, don't waste any of the leftover loaves and fishes. Now, do you think that he had them go and pick up the baskets because he, Jesus cared about waste? Do you think that's what it was? Those fragments were no accident. Those, those fragments were miraculous. And I believe the Lord was saying in typology to the church, when I give you a miracle, don't be careless with that. Whatever fragments of that miracle that may be laying around, don't just leave that laying around for the birds and the fowls to come and pick up. Don't let, don't let that be scavenged. But when I do a miracle in your life, I want you to, you hoard every bit of it. You hold every bit of it. And I want you to pack it up and I want you to take it with you. Because the thing that happened to them is they got in the boat and a storm came. And they feared for their life. And the scripture said the reason they feared for their life. It's right there. It's in scripture. It said because they forgot about the miracle of the loaves. The Lord said, here, take this sack lunch with you. I know these 12 baskets came from one little sack lunch, but take it with you because I don't want you to forget about the miracle that God did in your life. Right now in the presence of God, nobody's moving, but I want you right now to begin to think about the miracles that God has given you, your home, your family, your job, your benefits, salvation, your loved ones, your ministry. Think about all the miracles that God has bestowed upon you, how many times He's healed you and blessed you and touched you. It's miracles. It's miracles. Those miracles aren't intended for a short season, but it's longevity. When God gave us this building, I don't believe this was the final miracle that God had in store for us. I believe this is just the earnest of what God has for us. We call this phase one. We're looking toward phase 1.5 because we already had phase two in, in progress and we had to kind of modify, so we just slid it in there. I didn't want to change the phase because I want us to keep our focus on what we're doing because 1.5 sounds like we just threw it right in there. I'm already beginning to believe God for what he's going to do in our future. I remember the night that I first preached. I remember it like yesterday. I remember the discouragement that I got in my car and drove home. The point of tears on a Sunday night. I first cast the vision. We were a church with about 125 there on that Sunday night. And I first cast the vision about us building a new building. At the conclusion of service, someone came up to me and rebuked me very heavily for the message that I preached and said to me, instead of preaching messages about new buildings, you need to be focusing your attention on filling up the church building that God has given us. I kindly and respectfully responded. I agree with you 100%. 
I preach evangelism and soul winning on a regular basis. Tonight, I simply preached on vision because God has given me a vision of the day that this building will be filled and this parking lot will no longer be able to park cars. And God has given me a vision of a building that is much larger and a much better location. And the vision doesn't stop there, but God has given me a vision of that building too being full and us having to go beyond. Tonight, here we are. I know it sounds like a dream, but so it did when we were 125 people preaching about needing a new building. But what about when we had 230 on an average of every Sunday night and we couldn't park all the cars in the building and the parking teams coming in saying we got to be notified because we got cars block- blocking cars in. But here we are tonight with parking spaces to spare and seats to spare and a comfortable building to be in. Let's never take it for granted. But when I come tonight and begin to talk about church growth and evangelism and looking to our future, it'd be real easy for us to fold our arms and say, Pastor, when you get this building filled, then we'll start talking about something else. But that's not how vision works. Vision is always out in front of where we are. And we're, we have a plan that's beyond where we are. I wonder tonight how many people in this building would connect to the vision that God has given us and begin to look forward and say, I believe in it. I want to invest in it. I want to be part of it. If that's you, if that's you, I want you to take that card that you were handed tonight and I want you to consider what God has spoken to you tonight and I want you to begin to fill that card out. I want you to hear the challenges that God has given you tonight through this message. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that the same miracle working God that's able to heal a headache would bless your life, would help you be able to keep the commitment that you're making tonight? This is not a legalistic thing. If you make a commitment and you're unable to keep it, no one's going to call you and dun you and bug you about it. But please don't make frivolous commitments. I want you to be prayerful and thoughtful because we build our future based on your commitments. I want you to ask God right now to show you, reveal to you what he's done for you. And I want you to ask yourself what I'm writing down on this this paper tonight. I want to feel in my heart that it reflects how good God has been to me. All over the building right now while you're while you're filling out that form, I want you just to be prayerful. If you're not filling out a form, I want you to begin to pray with me out loud right now and ask God to show us what we're able to do. Revival can't wait. Church growth can't wait. We believe in miracles and believe what God is going to do. We're trusting God. We're trusting God. We're trusting God. We're not just going to make financial commitments tonight. But while they're singing, while you're filling out a prayer card, a healing could happen in your home. A healing could happen in your body. 
A miracle could happen in your life. That lost child could have a change of heart and a change of mind. That lost loved one could have a visitation of an angel right now. A miracle could happen. A miracle could happen. I don't want to compel you tonight. I want the Spirit to compel you. When you feel compelled in your spirit to make your commitment, as the Holy Ghost leads you, I want you to walk right here to the front of this room. Please use the envelope. Don't write your name on the envelope. We'll open them later. I don't want anybody to see your commitment, but I want you to make that commitment. Just when the Spirit compels you, I want you to walk forward and lay it on the altar. Don't leave. I want you to stand near your commitment tonight. I want you to lay it on the altar. Lay it on this platform tonight as you're laying it on the altar. And I want you to stand over it tonight. We're going to pray together. Families can come together. Stay near your commitment. Part of Abraham's worship was sacrifice. This is what we're doing tonight. This is sacrifice. I want you to come believe in God for a miracle. Believe in Him. I want you to begin to pray over it right now, thanking Him. Believe in Him for a miracle. A miracle can happen. Oh, yes, it can. A miracle can happen in this place. A miracle can happen. A miracle can happen. A miracle can happen in this place. A miracle can happen. Now you've made your sacrifice. I want you to begin to speak with faith. Let, let this song be spoken with faith right now. Begin to declare it. It's going to happen. This is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual moment. Say it with faith. With, with Jesus, Jesus with Jesus, happen. it will happen. With Jesus, with Jesus.
right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to connect if you've got family close to you or if not, if not, find another person, another single person, another single family member. I want everybody connected with somebody tonight. Everybody connect with somebody tonight. We're going to pray one for another right now. I want you to pray over your home, over your family, over your commitment, over what God is wanting to do through you and what he's wanting to do for you. Let's stay engaged here just for a few more moments. This is a spiritual moment. Now we're going to begin to pray one for another, but before we do, before we do, I just want you to, I just want to see how many of you can raise a hand tonight and say, Pastor, this isn't a frivolous thing, but we genuinely need a miracle in our home. I need to see your hand. If you genuinely need a miracle in your home, you genuinely, no, no, look around you. If somebody next to you has their hand raised, I want you just to call their name. Come on, we're going to pray one for another. Let the weak say, I am strong. Now, if you raise your hand, I want you to begin to declare it in the name of the Lord. I have come forward with a commitment, and by the authority of the Word of God, I am claiming that in the next two years, in the next two years, that miracle... That miracle will become a testimony. It will become a point of inspiration and a testimony because we stood at this altar on this Sunday night and we made a commitment. And God, I'm holding you accountable to your word that I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. And know, God, that a miracle is going to happen. It's going to happen in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Declare it in Jesus' name. Declare it in Jesus' name. It will happen. With Jesus, it will happen. With Jesus, it will happen in this land. Come on, that's it. Declare it in the name of the Lord. With Jesus, it will happen. With Jesus, it will happen. It will, it will. Let your praise come forth as a victory cry. Let your praise come forth as a victory shout to the Lord tonight. Yes. Yes.